Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. Hope you're all right out there. End of March this year is going very quickly and my daughter is nearly one year old, which is mad when I think of it, but there we are. Um, this week on the podcast, I'm chatting with David Kirk of Civil War. So he's a, a promoter that's based in London and kind of primarily does gigs around then. I'm going to say at the, um, at the end of the podcast, we talk about a gig that is happening this Friday, as in the 24th. I think this episode comes out the 22nd and it's 24th. If you're free, go. And the information is all at the end of the episode. So go straight to there if you want to find out about it. But there we are. I just wanted to say that now. This week, we're talking about things like what are promoters for, which is a big, very important question. How to make the most of your downtime between songs when you're on stage. What should you, shouldn't you do, that kind of thing. And maybe most importantly, how to approach promoters for gigs. Everyone wants gigs. How do you get them? Really big question. All things to talk about in the podcast this week. I'm going to stop blathering on and just say on with the interview. So today on the podcast, I am joined uh, by David of Civil War, that being a promoter, not not the event. I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> David, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? Good. I feel like I blindsided you with that a little bit. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. No problem. Um, so before we kind of get to the the real questions my first question as always is from an online random question generator and the question that i have been given this week is a nice simple one what's your favorite tv show oh well uh right now we've been watching the last of us we're just up to date and as me and my wife is we and um we just watched yesterday's episode of The Mandalorian. So they're, they're my two current favourites. Fair. I've not seen either of them. But not favourites ever, I suppose, but my current favourites. What is your favourite ever? Favourite ever TV programme is probably The Wire, probably. Um, Game of Thrones is pretty amazing too, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd say those are the, the two um, prime candidates. All stuff I have never actually seen, believe it or not. <laughs> not a single oh, one, mate. What's your favourite? Uh, Doctor Who. Easy answer. Classic. I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd like that, so there we are. Anyway, <laughs> on to the, uh, the, the, my first real question, I guess. Um, how did Civil War get started in the first place? Well, it was a bit of a gradual thing. Um, I've played in bands for a long time, you know, 20 plus years. And... Um, you know, I, I suppose I put on some shows for previous bands that I was in, and um, I put on one or two, you know, an EP launch for my, my previous band in 2018, I think it was, and it went really well. It was quite satisfying to run a thing from start to finish. And then it was, a, it was just after Christmas before New Year, sort of 2018, 2019. And I woke up one morning and... Um, I remember it vividly. I, I, I sat up and I spoke to my wife. I said, I've had this quite crazy idea and I know it's going to be a ton of work. Um, but the minute I start it, it's just going to, it's going to continue and become a thing. You know, it was, it's going to dip, take on a life of, of its own. And she was just like, well, get on with it then. You've got to do it. So I did. Um, so I set up the website um, and decided that I was going to start promoting uh, rock shows um, and the Civil War name just kind of came to me. It was, you know, it sounded 
exciting, some kind of robust sounding civil war. But I liked it that it was civil, you know, it was it was kind of um you know, it wasn't meant to be violent, it's not macho, it's more like um artistic war kind of thing where people can express their aggression in a constructive way um and their views you know that kind of thing so that's what the name is about and that's kind of when and why i started it so it was really in the start of 2019 and um made a good start to it and then covid of course you know i got a few shows under my belt with it and then had this quite big kind of breather where we managed to develop things a bit and squeeze in a few shows that that's actually quite fun during some of the windows where things were allowed again managed to hold some quite cool shows um which were very memorable um and now we're kind of getting going again you know end of last year into this year so that's where we are so it's still quite new uh, even though it's a few years old if that makes sense it does it does um this question might sound more combative than I mean it to, but I'm going to say it and we'll see where we go. Um, I was chatting to a friend of mine just this week um, and he um, he was going to have a gig with his band and the promoter really let them down in terms of expectations. Um, and then we had a whole conversation of what is the point of a promoter? <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, what is the point of a promoter? Oof. Well, that's a great question. And slightly embarrassed to say I've not thought about it in such direct terms before, but I suppose the point of a promoter is to, is to kind of be the glue between, or the middle man or middle person between the musicians out there that are looking for an outlet and for the fans who want to hear a certain type of thing. Um, so, you know, in my case, um, you know, I'd been in bands which were kind of heavier than grunge, but not metal for quite a long time. They weren't hard rock either. You know, it wasn't that kind of American kind of bar sound. It was this kind of nearest to that heavy end of grunge, like the Soundgarden, Alice in Chains stuff. Um, but not exactly what you think of when you talk about grunge. So I was like, there aren't any promoters of any kind of real merit doing this thing. So that's why, that was another reason why I wanted to start this was just to, I knew that there were bands that kept on falling into this crack. And um, I thought, well, let's make something that isn't there. Um, so the purpose of a promoter is to put on good shows, to find good bands and, um, uh, I was going to say add value, but it's a really rubbish thing to say. Um, I don't know, just to help put help put things together, you know, from the pieces. Okay, yeah, no, I I think that's a good answer. But then I'm not the one who was annoyed about a cancelled gig, so <laughs> there we are. Um, it's it, it's an interesting point though, because a lot of bands um, don't necessarily know how to get gigs. Do you know what I mean? Like they they um, they kind of start a band get together some songs maybe write some do some covers whatever it is and then go right let's gig who do we talk to and the the obvious thing that people think of is well let's talk to the venues but that's not necessarily the the best way to do it is it really well i think maybe once upon a time um the venues arguably played a greater role in booking their own 
their own shows but these days i think well certainly my perception these days um i think a lot of the nights that happen certainly in london and um, in other cities that i see you know they are put on with specific trusted promoters who put the shows on at various venues um yeah the place to start applying for shows really is um you know it's through promoters um people that you might have heard of in your particular niche in music um and then to um try to you know develop some kind of rapport with them um you know the best the the the, the best way is to go to the shows the kind of shows that you want to play um, see what's happening there meet the people involved meet the kind of bands that are involved um, and just you know it sounds so old-fashioned you know in this um this age we live in but it's still the best way to do it um personal relationships dictate networking yeah networking it dictates so much of what happens in the music scene people that you know people that you know even if you don't know them you might know someone who does and they can vouch for you um a lot of um a lot of stuff happens that way um in myself included you know if someone i trust tells me there's a band who need, i need to hear or they're looking for shows if i trust that person then you know i'm going to give a chance to the band that they recommend and that's i mean yes you could say it's cliquey or whatever but actually it's just um it's human nature you don't want to get burned on a risk necessarily if you can avoid it um and if you know you trust the people involved then you're going to do that so moving to that kind of topic how do you find bands to work with do, do you go entirely off recommendations do you look for them do they look for you what, how does it that generally kind of work it's a great mixture of things i mean moving on from that last question yes recommendations definitely count um you know, it can save some legwork particularly if you know you you trust the recommendation like i said um get lots of emails um you know with mixed success uh, we maybe we come back to emails in a second um contact through social media um and and again like i said the you know old-fashioned meet, meeting people you know having a beer with them at the bar after a show um you know remembering them for that um showing some enthusiasm maybe they came down to a few shows and you know they're starting to become a fixture in the in the the wee scene that you're in or where you know wherever in whichever town you're in um but with emails yeah plenty of emails but um emails are a difficult one because you know if you get a whiff that it's a mass mass generated email you know speaking just for myself you know i just think ah, it's, it's, it's something that i juggle promoting um, I'm, i i still don't see myself as a professional promoter or anything like that i you know, I'm a, I have a day job. I'm also a musician, like playing a band. I've got all that going on, um, but I also run these shows. So time is limited and I have to, um, you know, as it is for, for anyone in any context, but you know, if it's a mass produced email or it's too pushy or that, you know, they, someone I've never heard of gets in touch with a list of their demands that they want before they play, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. So short, friendly email, especially if they can tie it into oh hi it's so and so i met you down at the show last month great time great bands really enjoyed it um had a quick chat with you afterwards and i gave you that that demo 
uh, tape or CD or whatever it was, um, download code. Um, that's gonna that's gonna make you stick out, and um, you know I'll reply. You know I'm a I'm a human being. I'm a decent guy. If if especially if, if there's a connection there already, definitely gonna reply. Um, so yeah, emails are a bit of a poison chalice because you know you might think that yeah a new band for instance you know they're the same band we were talking about looking for their first show they might find a list of promoters somewhere they might write the same email and then send it to all all the list that there might be mistakes they might have left the other promoter's name in the in the address title or you know and you just that happened oh yeah this is you know it's just like it might at work it's it's going to happen in this you know that or just typos or dear promoter you know okay i'm out you know just so that kind of thing you know personalize it if if you care and you want me to care show that you've given a bit of thought even if it's just a minute of thought um, and it's instantly going to make any prospective band stick out uh, sorry rather stand out um just that one minute of personalizing um instantly going to put you in front of the queue so. yeah that makes sense i guess that's doubly true if you are like outside of the the kind of scene as it as it were so if you're i don't know you're based in liverpool or whatever coming to a gig or two is maybe not a realistic prospect so therefore the initial online communication you're making has got to be great <laughs> yeah that's true yeah that's true um you know they might still have watched a live stream i always do some live streams from the show they could have caught that um they might have been watching the posts on social media and um, some of the videos you know i try and put them up on youtube and such um or they could just say oh one band that you played for you they came up to my town and played and you know really amazing aren't they aren't they cool you know and they you know, send me a message on instagram and just start up a an organic normal normal human being chat you know that's the way to get um get people to reply i i would say i think the the, the number one rule of communication in the music industry whatever you're trying to do is don't be a dick that is the number one rule it doesn't matter what what you're doing that's that's it that's what matters completely agree i think i even have that same thing as a highlight on our instagram page um what's that chap damien keys yeah um i don't you said it yeah don't be you know um and that just applies to not just music but just everything you know no one's got time for um diva behavior or um pushiness or you know arrogance um for some i mean i suspect that's the case across everywhere but especially in the kind of rock and metal community there's a very high um kind of bs meter um that people are on the lookout for um you know no one wants that it's a really accepting and um, broad church you know the, the the rock and metal scene but that's the one thing people won't really tolerate you know at any level i think and of course you'll get a really bad reputation if you're not careful as well that's the difficulty yeah completely agree and that's what you don't want um if you're that band starting out you know you, let's say you got the show um you turned up you know full of energy and excitement you know as you're bound to be um but you let it you let the nerves or just the excitement get to you in the wrong way and it all came out as pushy when you meant it to be excited and it all went wrong um, you know the, you, as a new band you're probably not going to get a second chance 
with that particular promoter um, and you know you've got you only get so many so um, yeah you do have to be careful careful with that kind of thing and people talk to each other people talk to each other so you know if you're there at a gig and you I don't know whatever it may be you do something terrible all the other bands will notice and you'll just sort of start to get this reputation where people won't want to deal with you so you've got to be careful of that yeah I mean it's not you're not damned if you you know you made a mistake the first time you, you could still completely you know save it by you know sending a message after saying oh you know sorry if we had a miscommunication over you know me demanding you know more guitar on stage in a pushy way to the sound guy or you know asking too in too pushy a way for this that or the other you could just you know follow it up and just say oh sorry about that I was just a bit a bit revved up whatever um and also you know if if you do make a mistake just own it own it and move on um that goes a long way as well um you know people will if you if you do that um you accept it you apologize you know people will also move on with you um just don't double down on the mistake otherwise you know um <laughs> that's going to go badly i would say definitely definitely um so moving over the subject a little bit what's your approach to putting together a bill of bands that work together so i've been to some gigs where all the bands have kind of it's kind of really meshed as a star and you can go i can understand that and i've been to some gigs that are very disparate and everyone was very different to each other and that's very confused so what's your approach to that kind of thing well it's a great question um if I can I deviate slightly, you know, one of the one of many reasons why I wanted to um, promote shows was that, you know, I had experienced many terrible promoter shows, you know, played them in the past, many, many terrible ones for all different reasons. And one of the many reasons was, you know, an incoherent, thoughtless bill. Um, I mean, yes, variety can be a good thing, but, you know, I remember being in a, you know, one of these he heavy bands. It's not quite metal, but it's very nearly metal. It's pretty heavy going. And, you know, we put in a good show. We were mid-bill and had some of our people down. It was all good. And then the people who came on after us, um, you know, they were, I think it was, um, you know, three very delicate ladies with acoustic guitars playing, you know, um, beautiful but completely contrasting close harmony folk and everyone you know just it, no one knew what to make of it because it was this massive clash um so returning to your question you know how do we put a bill together that makes sense okay you don't want it all exactly the same probably i think people's ears will get a bit tired however good the music is if it all sounds the same but I think you do have to you know with what we're doing most of the bands that get in touch with us would kind of fit because we're trying to cater for what we say is grunge stoner and alternative so you know before alternative became its own micro niche um, you know we're trying to cover you know that heavier spectrum of basically guitar based you know heavy rock without getting too deep into it um so that covers quite a lot and you know generally i would try to build up from 
either more inexperienced bands up to the the more experienced bands or at least slightly more melodic softer bands building up towards the heavier heaviest band probably last because you don't want that same thing again where you know you've got you know some kind of delicate um beautiful music juxtaposed immediately against some kind of um you know death metal situation or something so um yeah that's generally how i do it um mute that's the sound wise you know trying to build up towards the the peak um uh, sort of heaviness wise in terms of putting a bill together that fits like the acts well you generally start trying to put on you know trying to select the headliner or main support um depending on who's put their hands up or who's been waiting a while um then those people might say oh you know i'm if i'm coming down from you know uh the midlands or whatever i'd really like to play with these guys because they came and played one of our shows you know last summer so they might want to tie up um, with their mates so if you can accommodate that it's quite nice because it gives the gig its own kind of buzz because the bands are psyched to see each other and um that you know the lift sings um but otherwise it's just a matter of trying to pick bands that will work and also i mean a lot of thought does go into this um if you've got visiting bands you're going to need a couple of homegrown bands to help bring fans down um especially at the grassroots level that we cater for um you know we love putting out of town bands on but there is a um you know the, the reality of filling the place um and ticket sales so you do need some um you know london or at least um london uh, greater london bands to be able to bring some you know some solid attendance down so all of those factors come into it um, there's no one way of doing it i'm sure every promoter does it differently but those are the kind of things in my mind when i put, try and put them together what's or oh, this might be a controversial question what's the ideal number of bands for a, a gig it's another good one um and you know this debate has raged it, you know a couple of other people who helped me behind the scenes with um with civil war um you know it's it's kind of a loose collective but um you know there's a few people who who contribute a bit more um thoughts and um support wise and i was talking with one of them recently you know another venue which uh, there's no point in naming but another venue in london that does our kind of thing um they always stress three bands is the is the golden amount three bands on an evening bill um which i think is completely fair you know it's um you know let's say you're starting at half seven or eight it gives kind of a 30 40 minute slot to each of those maybe a bit longer for the headliner without too much rush um for the you know line check or certainly just swap over times um we i i quite like the four band bills that we do it's a bit more tight but um you know again for a grassroots show which is what we do um it it takes some of the burden off each band for the ticket sales you know four bands have got to be able to um you know any self-respecting four bands on a bill should be able to get a, a small venue reasonably well filled um so that's one reason but also just um, gives a nice variety to the night um and if you you know if it is a th the first two on 30 minutes you know 
for most bands, half an hour should be long enough to show what you can do. Um, there's always a temptation as a musician or as a, a, a band or an artist to want to play everything and, you know, oh, we have to keep the old ones because, you know, that's where we came from and we have to play the new one because that's who we are now. And th th Yes, that's all true. And I think you can, as you grow in stature and reputation, you can extend your bills to, to do that. But uh, when you're starting out, half an hour, all smash, no filler, um, if you're doing the right thing, that's enough time to impress the people you need to impress, um, which is the audience. So, um, yeah, half an hour should be enough. I mean, my, my, maybe my controversial opinion is I, I think any band worth their salt should be able to show people who they are in 15 minutes. I like it. I like it. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying anything like anything about what how long set should or shouldn't be, but I think if you can't show people who you are in 15 minutes, then you, you you're going to struggle because people form opinions very quickly um, about when a band comes on. If a band comes on and I have absolutely no idea who they are, what they're like, within about two songs, I expect to know what they're like. I think you're completely right, to be fair. Um, I think when you're talking about bills, 15 minutes probably is not enough to make it worth it, you know, when you've got 15-minute change over each side. I mean, it'd be an interesting experiment to do, like, a six-band 15-minute bill, but the logistics would be a complete headache, you see. But um, you're completely right about the time required to make an impression. Um, and if anything, 15 minutes is generous, you know, if, if you... Um, if you've gone to a venue without expectations or you know you've seen your your mates bands play mates band play and then you've stuck around you've got your drink in your hand you're going to watch the next band you know even though you might kind of want another beer or go to, to go for a cigarette you know you're going to you're going to give this band who's come on next five ten minutes probably and then you're going to think oh god i do fancy that cigarette i'm going to go or you know whatever it is whatever the distraction might be um, if, if they haven't earned your respect and attention um, in the first couple of songs, um, then the game is lost. So it's another reason to, um, well, how would you call it? Not preload, but certainly he heavily pack your bangers into the first, you know, two tracks um, so that anyone who is there will stick around. So that's, yeah, you've, you've, you've led us into a good a good recommendation there which is um you know always put your best material first and then possibly last you know your if you've got six songs you know your best one in your, your number your number two and then your next best as the closer hopefully or just go for it and not worry about it so to any bands listening enjoy having that nice discussion about whose songs are the best in your band <laughs> <laughs> that's not something that i can advise you unnecessarily it's up to you um changing the subject a little bit how should a band prepare for a gig in your opinion so i don't know they've got a gig coming up let's say two weeks time what would be a good thing for them to do what would be good for them to bear in mind i would suggest in an ideal world you know they should be looking at probably a month um most bands you know, most amateur bands or unsigned bands or just new bands, whatever you want to call it, that aren't pro, um, you know, a good a good target is to have one good length, you know, three, four hour practice a week. 
So let's say they got four of those. They should spend one practice um, sorting the set out, picking the tracks, um, deciding the order, you know, whether, you know, whether, uh, whether, where the tuning changes might fall, you know, let's say, you know, th that's always one big thing for guitarists, you know, um, how many, you know, you don't want to be swapping tunings every song, so you pack the similar tunings close to each other and such, um, so you don't spend the whole time tuning your guitar. Um, so decide the set list, um, run it, um, time it, make sure, you know, that's a big one, big one, um, time the, time the set, make sure that you're, I think, you know, bands will always want to run it right up to the half hour, let's say it's a half hour set, you know, and they, that's what they will time it, they'll pack it with half an hour of music and then realise that when they're on stage and they're saying hello to their people and they're talking about this, that, the other, they're soon on 35, 40 minutes before they realise and, and in doing so, they have, um, uh, keeping it clean, they've aggravated, deeply aggravated the, uh, not only the promoter, but also the band coming next and probably all the bands after them because they have stolen, in effect, unwittingly, 10 minutes of their music, um, which is an immediate own goal um, in making a good impression in the scene. So, time the set. Um, what else? Ma make sure that the playing is tight. Um, it sounds so fundamental. Um, you know, at a, a grassroots level, um, you have to make sure that you know you are up to the job that it's sounding good there aren't mistakes um, playing the songs without mistakes is the absolute um, entry level requirement you know that's some people I, th I think there's a temptation when you start out to to think that that is the the goal you know to play the music without mistakes but that that really is just the first stage you know once you can play the music without mistakes and without thinking about it, staring at your fretboard, um, looking down at your drums, whatever it is, um, that's when you're unleashed because you, you know the music inside out. You can look up and engage the crowd and put on a show. So that's what the the remaining practices need to be about. You've got your set, set um, your 30 minutes, well, your 25, 26 minutes of music sorted. Um, you're going to practice that every practice before the show um, one thing that we've always done as a band you know what well, I've always done in, in in recent times anyway is that last practice probably the last two you want to do at least two run-throughs um, without stopping for anything so gig conditions in practice so we would turn the lights down to dinge, sort of half lights, because you might, in your studio at home, you might be used to full lighting, um, where you can see everything beautifully on with your hands and, and fretting and whatnot. That's not what it's gonna be like in a noisy dark bar. You need to get used to playing um, in the half light um, and not really even looking um, at what your hands are doing, ideally. Um, and, you know, be prepared for mis for sort of uncontrollables to happen like what you're going to do if you um break a string just before your so your big solo um you know how are you going to ad lib that can you ad lib it with you know just five of the strings um that is all good practice and it's going to happen to you 
um, as a guitarist, for instance, or, you know, if your sticks break and when you're playing, you know, you're giving it your all and sticks up, you know, once you drop your stick because your hands sweat, you know, have your sticks ready, you know, think about the stagecraft is what I'm saying in a, in a very roundabout way. Think about the performance, um, how you're going to entertain um, and, uh, you know, really put on a show because people don't just go to hear the music sounding perfect. They go for a show. They want to be entertained because they can, even if you're a good band, you know, you can have beautiful recorded music on Spotify, sounds of the business, but people turn up on a gray, rainy Friday night to be entertained. You know, that's what they've paid their money for. Um, so yeah, practice, practice, practice is the answer. Uh, and final big tip would be, um, the transitions between songs. Um, going back to, you know, wanting, you know, younger bands, newer bands wanting to play the song perfectly. They've got this amazingly hard song that they've written, very progressive, very heavy. Um, they've managed to pull it off, you know, seven minutes later, note perfect, you know, the final drum crash falls. Um, they finish the song, they all breathe a sigh of relief. Um, they spend about 15, 20 seconds all looking around, can't believe they've done it. Meanwhile, the crowd are wondering what's going on. So, you know, they need to, th you know, the show never stops between the moment you get on stage with your gear um, and after you've packed down and left. So you need to think about what you're going to do in each transition between the songs. There can be feedback as a bare minimum, some kind of chat at least from um, lead guitarist or singer, um, some kind of banter um, or some kind of musical segues or whatever. But yeah, always transitions. There's nothing worse really um, than penny drop silence between the songs. It's um, a real, um, and I don't mean to be unkind, it's a real, um, it's an immediate kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a sign, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an indicator of um, slight amateurism if you, um, if there are these big gaps between songs because it makes the crowd feel a bit awkward too. So yeah, keep things flowing, make it natural, make it exciting. There's, I was, it's exactly what I was going to say if you hadn't mentioned it. It's, it's my, uh, my number one pet peeve is when a band have finished a song and it's a really good song or whatever and everyone cheers and then say there's no specific singer in the band, they've all got a, a guitar or a bass or drums and they all start to just look down straight on the tuner, wing, 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 that kind of thing. And it, it just kills the vibe. And if you, if you're in that position and you do all have to tune, you need to know what you're going to do. Are you going to talk to the audience as you're tuning? Because you have to, <laughs> if you want to look good, that is, you have to, because you know, it's, it's all, it's all well and good going, you know, one day we're going to have, have roadies and it's going to be great, but that's in the future. And right now it's, it's just you and you haven't got someone there to pass you another guitar. You've got to just get this thing into tune as quickly as possible. So that's, that's, it's got to be sorted out <laughs> basically. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, yeah. Having, you know, planning every chain, you know, when you've got your set written out, your list of songs in between each one of those songs, decide in advance in your rehearsal studio, you know, whether there's going to be feedback, whether, um, 
your chosen person's going to have, um, you know, thank the sound guy or the sound, thank the promoter or uh, thank the fans for being there or whoever it is, um, or chat about something going on in, in the world that day or, um, you know, speak about the merch you might have taken. Um, you know, just have something up your sleeve for each of those breaks or, you know, run one or two of the songs into each other in a clever way. You know, that that works too. If you don't like talking, you know, not everyone likes talking to the crowd. They might be kind of introvert or something. So that's another way, you know, run a couple of songs in um, or play a pre-recorded clip or something. There's loads of things you can do. Lots of options. And if you're not sure... Um, then just go to some gigs. <laughs> Sounds a bit trite, but just go to some gigs. You'll see how people do it, and you'll see how awkward it is when they don't get it right. So, on you go. <laughs> to anyone listening, there you are. That's my big advice. Go, 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 go to gigs. Um, so, what are, in your opinion, the biggest mistakes that you see bands doing? in a kind of live gig scenario and I'm sure some, some of the things we've just mentioned are probably in there yeah well we've as you say we've covered one or two of them haven't we with the the, the gaps in the in the changes um, being too pushy you know um, not respecting the night you know there's so much of it comes down to sort of common decency and respect you know thank the promoter thank the sound guy um, take it takes seconds to do that and people appreciate it um you know thank whichever band recommended you or just say oh god how good were those openers you know check them out you know just pass them some credit around the room it goes a long way um things that are mistakes though that um i mean one that gets picked out a lot but is completely valid is taking too long to load onto stage and packing down um actually this is this is what i'm gonna say and it ties in with the packing down is especially as a, a young and excited band when you've smashed your set and you've done all that work in advance at those four practices you found the show you're gonna play it's gone well you just played a blinder best show you ever played you're gonna have your friends coming up to you wanting to shake your hands after the show it happens every show um and it's really tempting to get into that and be, if you're like a polite, normal human being, you're going to humour them when they talk to you, you know, and you're going to say, oh, thanks so much for coming down. Like, oh, yeah, how's, how's so-and-so doing? Yeah, cool, haven't seen you since when, you know. And then you're in a conversation, and that is red alert because you need to get off the stage, you know, within minutes, you know, because the band after you might only have... So if it's a 15-minute changeover and you've taken five, you know, that's, you know, they've only got 10 minutes to get on there, get all their stuff unloaded, you know, the, the cymbals on, the snare on, um, swap the amps, get plugged in, start doing a line check. So you have to be super considerate of the band after you and the show. So um, hold those thoughts, be like, oh, mate, great to see you. I'll come and see you at the bar. Give me a minute, you know, just be polite, but... Um, make your priority getting off the stage um, for the sake of, of the bands and the night. And they will all appreciate it when you do. And that is another sign of a good band, a well-drilled band, being able to slickly um, pack up your stuff and get off the stage um, and get back to enjoying the rest of the night. So, um, yeah, that's a, a good positive one. Um, there are lots of less positive things for 
you know that there are mistakes that young you know young bands make but um you know that's one easily avoidable one i think you know possibly a good a good idea to to consider is if there is one particular band member who doesn't have much to pack down i'm not going to say any names maybe singers um <laughs> who <laughs> can have that that more of that space maybe that could be I, I don't know i'm just giving out this idea to people that could be the person who can go and talk to people relatively quickly whereas leave the drummer the poor drummer to, <laughs> to pack down everything and maybe other band members can help the drummer i don't know um but that that could be a good strategy but i definitely think you're right that kind of I just need to finish doing this. I mean, say it in a more polite way than that, but I just need to finish backing away and then we can talk is definitely the way to go. Definitely right there. Hard to do, but um, that's an important one um, for for, uh, for all bands at any level. You know, when I play, you know, we always still, you know, always make a point of getting off that stage fast as you can um, because, yeah, it comes down to, uh, you know, you mentioned the... Uh, um i think you actually said it don't be a dick thing um um you know that this this is another example you know um just respect the night um and you know be as professional as you can and um you know know your gear as well you know it's another little tip if you if you're having to if you it's your first night with a new amp or some new gear and you don't know how to pack it away or you've just got some clever flight cases you know for this stuff and you don't know how they fit and you know figure that out that month before the show not on the night um otherwise it's going to be a car crash <laughs> definitely definitely true so um have you and you can mention no names in in this question um however you need to answer the question have you had any nightmare experience gigs either as um uh a band member or a promoter as a band member as a band member 100 percent, yeah in in almost every way imaginable and that you know that comes that just is part of the process you know you will make mistakes you will and you will hopefully learn from them you will have disasters you know we've had you know electronics failures in a base you know it's, it's not even the strings or anything of the amp you know had amps blow up or fail had um pas fail um fights in the crowd honestly i mean if you've been if you've been in a band for a while you will you know maybe pe i don't know if people actually speak honestly on the uh, on the show too often but um yeah, there's always nightmares and you learn from them you know you you're jumping around on stage and you kick out your guitarist um, lead you know and it just looks like a shambles you know um, I think the most the most stressful one <laughs> I'll say this because hopefully my friend will, will hear this um, uh, my my university band in Oxford was kind of an experimental kind of rock band ill-advised but it was um it was fun and we learned a lot um, we booked a show at the Port Mahon which is quite a decent sort of underground venue there you know one of the long-running ones we got our friends all down for the show and then um, our bassist decided he'd had it he had had it with the set we weren't going to play any of the songs and we were going to wing it we were going to wing this half an hour set and ad-lib it and as a as a front man having to ad-lib 
30 minutes of melody and words um, <laughs> to your, your friends <laughs> at university. It was, it was definitely the most stressful musical disaster that I can remember going through and I will never do again. Um, but so yeah, don't, don't do that. Don't tear up your, your half an hour set minutes before the show. That's one, one thing to avoid. <laughs> just, just wait. Yeah, I'm still stressed talking about it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> or if you're going to swap out a song, no, swap out, not throw the whole thing away. Make sure it's a song that everyone knows. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any others, but that, that's the one that stands out. Um, but th- these things will happen and it's how you, you know, okay, that, that example aside, that was just a disaster, but most of them you can ride out, you know, you'll have strings break, um, you know, maybe agree a guitar swap with a band that you think are all right on the same bill. Just say, you know, if my string breaks, you can use my guitar. If your string breaks and vice versa, you know, um, so you don't have to. Um, struggle changing your string um, mid-set, you know. As you get better, you might be able to do that very quickly, but um, at the beginning, you'll probably think that's a disaster. Um, your voice might go. Your, your voice might go. It just reminds me of a gig I was at, and it was... Oh, it's painful, actually. Um, a guitarist broke... I think it was two strings in the end, which is, you know, pretty... He's not great, but um, someone, in, another guy in another band said, you know, do you want to borrow my guitar? Nice offer, hadn't been pre-discussed, blah, blah, blah. And it was just a flat-out refusal. <laughs> I think he basically went, this is my equipment, I know how to use it, I'm not using anyone else's. And so there was a painful 10 to 15 minutes <laughs> of sorting out the strings, by which point everyone was kind of like, oh, and they were the last band on as well. And it was very, it was a very strangely arranged set where the last band on, in my opinion, were not the most experienced or the best necessarily. And I feel I can say that because I'm not saying who it is. Um, and it was just this really painful thing where, you know, I, I wanted to support all the bands there. I didn't feel like I could leave, but I really wanted to leave. And so the, it's, it's tuned at the string for ages and then, did the final like two songs and I was there like oh this is just not worth it but there we go don't do that <laughs> oh that would be such a momentum killer watching you know wasting 10-15 minutes he should have just climbed down um, off his horse and taken the guitar for the sake of the show it all comes down to the show and it's not and it's not even necessarily your part of the show it's the whole show um, of which yours is just one part so yeah he uh, he put himself a bit before the event there i mean i i don't even remember the name of that band maybe that tells you everything you need to know <laughs> there you go so my final question for you um is a nice positive one as civil war what in your opinion is like the best gig you've put on to so the one that you kind of went away from it going that was amazing that went really well it was great whatever it is well okay i, I will answer that um honestly but i would say first that Actually, I enjoy all the shows, and part of the magic of live shows is that they're all completely different. Um, you were talking about how you make a bill. I mean, there's so much variety in the, um, the component parts, the ingredients, that every show um, is is different and exceptional in its own way with its own little moments that I remember. Um, you know, this is something that... I do, it's a basically a non-profit, I earn nothing from the shows, 
I don't take any pay from the shows we run. Um, all of the the profits after the sound sound tech hire um, or venue hire, all of those door profits go back split between the bands. That's how we run our shows. Um, you know, so they are all things. Basically, what I'm saying is they're all labors of love, and I only do this because I love doing it. Um, so all of the shows are pretty special to me, every little one of them. And the day that they stop being that is the day I will stop or pass it on to someone else to take over. Um, but if, you know, there's a couple, that's, a couple that stand out. I mean, the first show um, was obviously memorable because um, it was the first one that was at the Unicorn, which sadly seems to no longer be with us. Um, although I hear rumblings of maybe could come back I don't know but that was a fine heavy heavy venue um you know in in Camden just slightly out the way so that was a, that was a special show that first one um we played one we had a, a band called Black Monsoon over from Holland and they came over and we had it we had the show in the Constitution in the basement which is a tiny venue it, in Camden and they just leveled it it was amazing you know so heavy and so good um you know they 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 do play much bigger stages and they do tour but we had them in this basement you know 50 cap basement and it was wild um and I think what year was it was it was it last year or the year before I think it was the start of last year I had a show booked I think it was sort of the end of January possibly February I think it was January and um you know i ended up putting on this fantastic bill you know january is usually a write-off month um you know some people say it's a write-off month and you know generally we we haven't done shows in january but you know i remember we had trevor's head as the headliners who are a fantastic live band and um, we had this new band who'd got in touch with us you know with a demo um called troy the band and they were main support um, and the show just got bigger and bigger. I mean, the, all of the bands on the bill were excellent. Um, I think it was Stoneflies were the one before that. You know, they had a kind of Melvin's vibe. So it just got heavier and heavier, and, and um, Troy the band came on. I think it was their second show, um, second ever show, and it was just phenomenal. Um, that you could tell you could tell how excited they were to be playing um, they had a really good buzz and chemistry on stage um, for a new band obviously with experienced players um, they they were just on fire it was a it was a it was a privilege to witness and everyone was just totally g'd up about it It was a great show and then you know they left the stage and um, Trevor's head who an experienced band came on and he thought actually they've just been past you know <laughs> past the tough break because they've got to follow this act who have just played an incredible set and um you know they were good enough to dig deep and um just rather than being phased they just rode on that crest of energy and played a an equally astounding set and um you know, it's no surprise to me at all that both of those bands are playing Desert Fest this year, um, even though they, they were, you know, playing for us at the Hope and Anchor last January. Um, and that's what I love about it is, you know, 
finding these amazing bands just before they start to um, blow up really and you know witnessing them at such close quarters and it's and to have played a little little part in their um their story you know just being enthusiastic about a demo you receive putting them on stage taking a chance being rewarded with a great show and then that's um that's an inspiration for other new bands you know um it's all part of the magic of it and it makes it worth it i've probably talked enough but um yeah i, I do just love it i mean i, I love play i love playing shows but running shows is pretty cool too um really enjoy it I, that comes across i've got to say that does come across um so my final thing i want to say this is not a question but um i know that you've got a, a show coming up very soon as of the release of this episode so as a promoter i thought maybe you should be given the opportunity to promote <laughs> so do tell that's very kind yeah we have um i think it's our it's on your 11th show but um it's it's a good one it's at the hope and anchor on friday the 24th um and uh sorry that's 24th of march just to be clear uh we've got um we've got the very same black monsoon coming over from holland um who are um fantastic really rate them um excited to see them after a few years we've got oku win which is the band that i'm in bit of a shameless self-promotion um new band just put together so that'll be our first show um talking about building up to a first show that's our first show so we've been rehearsing heavily um red light acid test another fantastic london band uh, and stone crown completing the bill um so a good grungy heavy noisy uh, show coming up um to start the year well if you're in uh, the london area and you are listening to this episode on the day of release this gig is in two days time so i cannot emphasize how quick a turnaround this is if you're free go absolutely go and I'm, i think i might actually have to check my diary and see see what i'm doing with the young family getting to gigs is not so easy but i'm gonna see i'll see what i can do that'd be great to have you down if you're free well david it's great to have you on the podcast thanks for the chat thanks very much really enjoyed it cheers phil so that is it for another episode of the music survival guide please rate and review wherever you listen it all really helps people find out what's going on here on this here little podcast please also share it with any friends or bandmates if you thought it was useful lots of interesting tidbits and information about getting gigs and how to do that and not being a dick big important thing um, but yeah so if you could share that with any friends and bandmates that'd be really amazing and i will see you next time